High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Matthew chapter 3, turn your Bible there if you will. Um, I want to minister a message, this really isn't a series, it's just kind of a one-off message that I've had on my heart for honestly two or three weeks now entitled Strange Days, A Voice in the Wilderness. Uh, Over the past several years, uh, really honestly over the past probably five years, uh, has anybody felt like you've been living in some strange days? where everything just feels a little bit upside down. You're not sure what, it doesn't seem like culture knows what's right, what's wrong. You don't know, didn't expect to have to live through some of the things you've had to live through and things have just kind of been wild. It seems like every day over the past five years has brought news, post situations that make you scratch your head and just kind of go like, what on God's green earth? is happening right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What world is this? Pinch me. This has got to be a dream because people are, people are wilding out there, acting crazy. Uh, I want to let you know this isn't new. Throughout history, there have been times and seasons where things have been strange. They've been off. They've been not good. It's just felt like things have been upside down and it's hard to tell which way is up. Obviously, uh, we celebrated God's restorative power a couple of weeks ago, but five years ago, this area went through Hurricane Michael, and literally, at times, you didn't know where you were and which way was up. I remember, I didn't actually bring Miranda. We were in Orlando when the hurricane hit, but uh, living down there, but uh, we obviously were both raised in here. Miranda specifically was raised on the east side, most of her, uh, the great majority of her life over in the Callaway area, and I didn't even, she didn't even uh, have an opportunity to come up here until a couple months after the storm had passed. And I remember driving around and being in areas where she grew up and rode her bike and knew her way all around. And she was literally going, I have no clue where we are right now because I can't tell what anything is. Y'all remember that? Thank God it's, it's improved a lot since then. But there's been a lot of crazy things. I've, obviously, we've lived through all sorts of political unrest and a pandemic and a hurricane and all of these things. People saying crazy stuff and doing crazy stuff. And it can feel sometimes like the world is just upside down and we've all had some weird pinch me moments. One one uh, that really pops to mind for me is during the early days of the pandemic in 2020, y'all remember how we had to stay at home for a pretty long, what felt like an eternity. I think it was actually only like a couple months. Uh, Some of you were first responders and you didn't do that, but for a couple months, we were kind of posted up at home, didn't go much of anywhere. Some of y'all found out during that time if you really loved your spouse or not. Some of y'all had to repent and get right during that because y'all found out y'all needed to rekindle something in your marriage. But do y'all remember when, when restaurants started opening to go get like takeout, right? And you, you couldn't eat in the restaurant, but you could go in the restaurant and grab a bag and take it out to go. Well, we went down, well, so we were living in Orlando. We went down to 535, which is right across from, from Disney World, from Disney Springs, downtown Disney. And there was, it's not there anymore, there was an on-the-border right there, an on-the-border Mexican restaurant. I say Mexican restaurant with air quotes because everybody who worked in there was white. And it's not Mexican food. 
And we went to Mexican food. And we went in there and we ordered something and we went out and we ate it in our car. And it was the best meal I have ever had in my life. That bland, tasteless food was so delicious because it wasn't something we made at home. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But it's right across the street from Disney World. So I said, hey, babe, we're probably never going to have this opportunity again. And I don't want to go home because we've been in there for two months. I said, let's, let's just go drive on property and just drive around. So we drove into Disney and it was like a scene from The Walking Dead where we drove around and we didn't see another car or human being for a good 20 or 30 minutes. The only time, we, which if you've ever been to Disney World, you know that is not the way it is. There are cars everywhere and there wasn't another human being that we saw until a Disney security car came and pulled up behind us and started following us for several miles. And I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna get thrown in Disney jail down with the rest of the pirates and there's gonna be that dog that I'm trying to get the key from, but he refuses to move. <laughs> I pulled into the, into the uh, contemporary resort just to turn around and leave. And there was a guard at the gate and they stuck out and they said, can we can we help you with something? I was like, I'm just turning around, guys. They're like, we haven't seen a human being in two months. It was weird, right? We've lived through some strange days, some strange things, and that's all just kind of light, funny stuff we can look back on. But there's been some awful and terrible and horrible things that we've seen and are continuing to see in our culture and our society. But listen, no matter how upside down things seem, no matter how broken things seem, things seem no matter how out of sort things may appear to be, God always desires for us to overcome regardless of what's going on. On in our culture, in our society, and no matter how upside down things are, he has a plan to make things right. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, in those days, remember that, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan, Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, that even as it comes forth, I thank you that you will anoint my tongue as that of a ready and skillful writer to speak forth your words of life, exhortation, edification, and comfort to your people. I thank you for all of us in this room this morning. Father, you would anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our spirits to respond to what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody who agrees says, amen.
We see here in Matthew chapter 3 the emergence of a man named John the Baptist. The scripture starts with these words that I told you to remember whenever we read it. In those days. Now whenever Matthew writes this this, this letter, when he writes this book, when he writes this account, Matthew really probably can't foresee a day that is coming 2,000 years later where on a Sunday morning in a place that he's never heard of before, people speaking a language that he's never heard before would sit and read these words that he wrote. Matthew thinks he is writing, and he is writing, very specifically to a first century audience. And when he begins to write this and says, in those days, he is writing under the assumption that the people who are reading it are going to know exactly the days that he's talking about and what he is referencing. But oftentimes in our culture, especially in our American Christian culture, we have a tendency to read the Bible. Y'all know what I mean? We just read over and the parts like in those days, we don't really take into account what that means and what it is saying to us and what the author is trying to communicate. Listen, there are, there are two major, major, there's a lot of rules of biblical interpretation, but there are two major ones. One, you always interpret scripture in light of other scripture. In other words, you never cherry pick a verse and make a doctrine out of it. You make what we believe based on the whole counsel of the word, not just the parts you like like it's a buffet. And the second major rule of biblical interpretation is this, context. Context is king. So you have to understand the context that Matthew is talking about when he says in those days. So what days were those days? These days were days that were not great days for the people of God. They were very, very strange days. There's political unrest as they are living under the dominion of a foreign enemy. The religious class is filled with all sorts of debauchery, hypocrisy, and evil. Public executions are happening alongside the road. We really can't fully fathom this, but let me put those days to you in a modern context that we might understand. It would be as if China had invaded the United States, had installed dictators over us, that our pastors and our leaders were being controlled by that government. And whenever you drove down 22 to head home or up 230 or up Star or 231 or wherever you go, that the road was lined with electric chairs and anybody who dissented was being executed. That is the modern equivalent of the days that they were living in. And sometimes we think we've got it bad. What they were enduring, and I'm, I'm not making light of anything anyone's gone through at all, because we've all been through some stuff. But what they went through and were living through was absolutely horrific and terrible. And then to top it all off, for 500 years, God has been silent. No prophetic words, no revival, no church services, nothing's going on. They're living in strange days and everything is totally upside down. The good news is that we see here the solution for a world that is upside down and living in strange days. What is that solution? A voice crying in the wilderness. A prophetic voice that begins to emerge and set things right. It is a, listen, 
I want you to hear me when I say this really, really well. A prophetic voice and the prophetic ministry doesn't come just to give you some goosebumps and make you feel good. A prophetic voice doesn't come just to tell you what's going to happen in your future. That is not the point. One of the primary things that a prophetic voice does is it sets things right. It makes the crooked places straight. Listen, it is the release of that voice that set things right. It's the release of that voice that starts to turn things right and side up again. It's the release of that voice that begins to make the way for Jesus to make things right in the world. And I believe we are living in a day where it is time for true, untainted, prophetic voices to begin to emerge and prophesy to culture, prophesy to the church, prophesy to our community, and set things right once again so that God can move in a way that we have never seen before. Because I fully believe this. God is not done. He's not done with your life. He's not done with our city. He's not done with the state. He's not done with our nation. He's not done with the nations of the world. And the good news is this. When things get dark, light shines all the brighter. There are voices that are emerging to set things right. It's time to prophesy to culture, prophesy to the church, prophesy to the enemy that's mounted up and prepare the way of the Lord. Now notice when, when this voice comes, there's a couple things that happen. One, it comes from the wilderness. What does that mean? It means that John's voice was formed in a place that people didn't see. He, hear the way I say this. True prophetic voices are never formed on a platform. Prophetic voices are formed in the wilderness and under dirt. The voice, the pure voice, is not formed where everybody sees it. It's formed in places people don't see. Nobody saw John in the wilderness. He was formed in places people didn't see. Nobody saw Elisha whenever he was serving Elijah. But whenever John begins to come out of the wilderness and declare repent, everybody listened. Whenever, whenever Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah and struck the water, everybody took notice. Because pure voices that are formed in places people don't see are the voices Voices that carry authority and power for things to move and shift. There's a lot of illegitimate voices, voices that have been formed by Instagram followings and TikTok followers and a platform and a microphone that whenever they begin to release things, things don't shift. Because where your voice is formed matters. Is your voice formed from serving? Is your voice formed from the secret place? Is your voice formed from relationship with God? Or is your voice formed from wanting people to listen to you? Is your voice formed from wanting to have a platform? Is your voice formed because, because you want to have more, more TikTok followers and Instagram likes? And if that's your reasoning, it'll never be pure. And only pure voices carry power. The Pharisees said a lot, didn't change anything because their voices were tainted by power. Their voices were tainted by wanting influence. Y'all may have heard me talk about this before. Um, I talk about it in, in Sonship, I talk about a lot of these things in Sonship, but Balaam is probably, if, if, if you know scripture, even moderately well, if I said, who is an example of a false prophet, probably one of the first people that people would mention is Balaam. 
right? Don't know who Balaam is, right? Balaam and Balak. Balak comes to Balaam and says, hey, I need you to curse the people of God. And Balaam, you know what's interesting about Balaam? By the way, he's the only person that's called a false prophet in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what's interesting about Balaam is Balaam never gives a false word. Ever. Balaam never gives a word that is inaccurate. It is not the accuracy of the word oftentimes that makes the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet, although true prophets should prophesy truly. But that is not the main indicator of false versus real. You know what the indicator is? Is the desire of their heart and what they're prophesying out of and for. Ba Balaam prophesied for influence, money, and power. And that's what made him false. Not the fact that he was off, that he missed it. It was his intent. Is he wasn't formed properly. And voices are being formed properly. I really do believe there is a generation that's going to emerge that have been formed properly if they will allow it. And they're going to see great, powerful, and mighty things that God does. And John also, the other thing about these true prophetic voices is John emerges with this word. And the first thing John says is repent. Prophetic and apostolic voices will always have a message of repent that they release. The prophetic doesn't come just to make you feel good. The prophetic will come to call you into repentance. I talked about this with the youth a couple weeks ago. I ministered over in our YT8 service, and I told them this. I said, one of my biggest concerns about your generation sometimes, and my generation too, millennials and, and Gen Z, believe it or not, I am a millennial. I'm an old millennial, but I'm still a millennial, and I'm going to claim it in Jesus' name. I did a wedding, yes, I officiated a wedding yesterday for somebody I've known since they were born. Uh, so I'm really clinging on to that millennial thing right now in Jesus' name. Next, in a few, in a few months, I'm marrying the, the person who was the, the ring bearer at my wedding. So I'm really clinging on. <laughs> Noah Weir was the ring bearer at mine and Pastor Miranda's wedding. And he's getting married in, is it March, guys? Somebody? March. In March, he's getting married, uh, him and Courtney. And I'm just clinging on to that millennial thing for as long as I can at this point. But I told him, one of my biggest concerns is this, is generations before you who, who genuinely loved God. And I, I don't think they did this from any sort of any sort of bad place or any sort of evil, but they, there, were, there were segments that really swung into legalism, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like if you were a lady and you had makeup, straight to hell, right? You wore jeans, straight to hell. You went to a movie theater, straight to hell. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Something, anybody grow up like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you laughed, you might go to hell because it meant you were having fun. And you were supposed to serve God with drudgery and hate your life until you got to heaven one day. If you enjoyed anything, straight to hell. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Straight to hell. And that's obviously not good. That's not healthy because that's not who God is, right? But what's happened, I, what, 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 I'm, people don't often respond to error with truth. What we do is we respond to error with more error, just on the other side of the pendulum. So my concern is that our response, right, to this error of legalism and bondage is that we have swung the pendulum the other way and we have lived like antinomians. That's a big word. That means basically you don't think that what you do has any repercussions. And that what you do, you're free in Jesus. There is now therefore no condemnation to he who's in Christ Jesus. And don't, but we leave out and don't become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
We just say the first part of the scripture. There's no condemnation. There is no condemnation for your past, for what you've done. And we tell people God's already forgiven you for your past and your future sins, and none of it matters anymore. God already knew what you were going to do anyways, and you're just a sinner, so you may as well sin if you're going to sin because God is already destined for you to do that. And I fear that we have swung this other way, and we have made repent a word that we don't embrace. But if you're going to embrace the prophetic, and by the way, this is a prophetic apostolic house. We believe in the fivefold ministry, not the threefold. We believe in apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers because in, in Ephesians 4, Paul said he's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. And we believe God's still doing that today. A, I said, we believe God's still doing that today. And the church said, amen. Listen, we still believe that there is the voice of a prophet and a prophecy that God wants to release. But at the end of the day, that comes with this message that you cannot ignore of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does it mean to repent? Repent doesn't mean that you say you're sorry. It's not what it means. Repent means to turn around and go in a different way. Which if I'm walking in this way, and I turn around. That did not start in my legs. My turning did not start whenever I did this. Where did it start? In my mind. In my mind. There was a decision that was made that I'm going to turn around. And my legs don't just decide to turn around of their own accord. Thank God. My brain sends a signal to turn and then my limbs respond accordingly. Listen, to repent doesn't mean just that you turn around or just that you say you're sorry. Repent means this, you begin to think in a different way. You begin to have your mind renewed to the word of God, his promises and what he says. And there's a lot of people that will embrace legalism and they will embrace, un and, and listen, let me put it this way. They will embrace a standard of living without changing the way that they think. And they will live by some moral code and put themselves under condemnation. I don't live holy because I'm scared of what God's going to do to me if I don't. I live holy because I love him. I know the plan he has for me. And as a result, I'm going to change the way that I think and walk ye in the way of the Lord. I'm not, hear, hear the way I say this. Understand the way I say this because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But I'm not scared of God. There's a reverence I have of him as my king, but I'm not scared of him because he's my dad. He's my father. It's the same way of, a, it should be the same way we treat our natural fathers. There is a reverence. There's some honor that we should put on them, which by the way, we should put some honor on people who are older than us and have walked before us and have walked some roads that we haven't walked. Actually, in the New Testament, it's very specific about honoring people who have gray hair. No, we'll talk about those scriptures though. And by the way, I qualify because I've got some on both sides right here. That's why I keep it, that's why I keep it tight. <laughs> got some in here too. And Jamie, Jamie's like all of it. Amen. We should honor people. Amen. We should honor prophetic voices in our lives. We should honor people. Doesn't mean that they're God. Doesn't mean you treat them like God. But we do honor people who have gone before us. I'm so thankful. I said it on Wednesday night. I am so, 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 so thankful for people like Gil and Ruthie Sanchez who have been here since the second service and laid down their life for this body and have served this body and the people of this body with diligence since the second service. If you don't know, you don't know. 
It's an ongoing joke, and it has been for 27 years that Gil and Ruthie have been here since the second service because they didn't know about the first service or else they would have been here. I'm thankful for people like my grandparents, R.L. and Juan DeGay, who have been here since day one, the chairman of the board. We called him the chairman because we were a, it was a mobile church whenever this first started. And the reality is he's the only one who had a van that could carry the chairs. So he was the chairman, the chairman of the board. I could go around this room. I'm so thankful for some people that are a little bit older than me, some a lot older than me, that have been here for a lot of years and have sowed in to people and sowed into generation because I wouldn't have, and people that are up here on this platform that are my age and younger than me, there's singers up here that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Ruthie being up here every single week for years singing and worshiping and listen, and I, I know their heart. Their heart has always been, we have helped build something so the people coming after can stand on our shoulders and go further than we've ever gone. You should honor if for no other reason because there are people that have laid down their lives for you to be where you're at today. Amen. Doesn't mean you always agree with those people, but that's irrelevant. What we do is we honor regardless of agreement. That's not my message, but it's good. Prophets show up to say, hey, you got to change the way you think. They challenge the status quo. They let you know what you're doing isn't going to get you to the finish line. And oftentimes that word comes with ill effects to them because John's declaring repent. And there's some people who weren't happy when he declared that. Because when a true prophetic voice emerges, people in the earth are known to rage over it. The religious elite hated John. John comes right out of the gate, starts rebuking them and says, don't think just because of what you were born as that it makes you a seed of Abraham. Do you realize how controversial that is? Do you realize, it's still controversial today. Do you realize how controversial what John is actually saying? It's incredibly controversial what John is saying. Lest we forget, John's father, Zechariah, was a priest in the temple. So John's very aware that they've lost their way. John doesn't dress right, doesn't sound right. He isn't bowing to what his own culture has told him to do, so his own tribe has issues with him. And so does Rome. Herod Antipas is the Roman appointed ruler of Judea, and he's not a fan either because John's rebuking Herod because he's marrying Herodias, who's the ex-wife of, uh, 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 of, of Herod's uh, brother. So John isn't making fans with anyone in power because the role of the prophetic was never to appeal to power, but to release truth. The prophetic was never intended to just be popular. It was intended to put things right. And I believe that prophetic voice is emerging to put things right. It won't bow to old religious systems. It won't bow to political power and pressure. But there is a voice that's coming to set things right rather than contribute to a world that is strange. It's imperative that we remember this. John was important. I believe John the Baptist was important. But John wasn't the point. Jesus even said there was no man born of woman greater than John. Jesus says that in John 11, but John wasn't the point. And John makes that clear. John wasn't releasing prophetic words and re preaching repentance just to do it and build his following and be an influencer. John makes the way for Jesus. He says, there's one who's more powerful that's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
and with fire. John makes the way for the one who's coming with fire. There is a prophetic voice that's coming to make way for fire. The fire of God, the fire of his spirit, the fire that conforms you into the image of Christ. That's why it says that he will sit like a refiner of silver. Once again, you have to know context. And in those days, they knew exactly what that meant. We just read it and go over it today. But what that meant is they would take a piece of silver and if it had impurities in it, which how many of you have some impurities in your life? We freak out over that word and think it means you're doing something nasty or awful. Let me ask you this. How many of you are the perfect image of Jesus? Y'all better keep your hands down. That means this. You still have some impurities in your life. We all do. Doesn't mean you're bad or evil. It means we're all still being conformed into his image. And it says that he will sit as a refiner of silver. And what they would do is they would take a piece of silver with its impurities. And the only way to purify it was this. You held it over the fire. You held it over the fire. And they would take it off. And that one who is the refiner of silver would look at it. And if they saw, couldn't see their reflection in that silver, you know what happened? Back over the fire. And it was held until the one who was the refiner could look at that piece of silver that had its impurities and see their reflection in it. Jesus causes you to be held over the fire. And by the way, whenever I say that, we immediately think we're talking about terrible things. God doesn't conform you to his image through suffering and horrible things. That doesn't mean that God can't take those things and turn around and work it for good and do something in your life. But God doesn't send devastation to make you like him. He sends the fire. Who's the fire? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to make you like him. And he holds you over that fire and get around his presence. And then he looks and he goes, can I see myself? Do I see me? There's a fire that's coming to make you look like Jesus. Not just to make you feel good or to give you a word about how you're going to be this, that, or the other. None of that's wrong. But there is also a fire that's going to make you look like him. What's the answer? To strange days in a world upside down, a prophetic voice, it sets things right. Think of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, right? One of charismatic people's favorite scriptures. Acts 2 and Ezekiel 37. And in Ezekiel 37, God brings Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones and he sets him down in those bones and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gives the, Ezekiel should have run for office because he gives the most political answer in the history of the world. And when God asks the question, Ezekiel goes, God, you alone know. And God begins to tell Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And Ezekiel doesn't look at the bones and go, you low down, dirty, scum of the earth, sinful, horrible bones that are scattered. This is not what you're supposed to do. Consider yourself rebuked and you're going straight to hell. It's not what he does. He begins to speak to what the bones were called to be, not their current condition. That's what a prophetic voice does. It speaks to potential, not current condition. You may have heard somebody get a prophetic word in this church. You may have heard me prophesy to somebody, Pastor Rob prophesy to somebody, somebody else prophesy to somebody and wondered, I know that person. I hear what they're saying about them. This is not God. That's all the more reason it definitely is God because it's not speaking to their current reality. 
It's speaking to the potential that God has for them. It's telling them what they're called to be. It is forth telling them, not foretelling. It is forth telling them into something that God has for them, for them to become who he is called, who they are called to be. And that's what happens with the Valley of Dry Bones. Why would we want to curse what God wants to bless? And listen, just because you're angry and mad doesn't mean you're a prophet or that you're speaking truth. There's a lot of people that call themselves prophets that I'm like, you are giving words that anybody with two eyes can see. The world is bad. Welcome to planet earth. That's not prophetic. What is God saying? And God is speaking exhortation, edification, and comfort. He's not speaking destruction and devastation. God is a restorer. He is not a destroyer. And he's speaking life. There are voices that are emerging in these strange days to call things into destiny and to purpose, into what God has ordained them to be, not what they currently are. And I'm telling you, there is a, on the other side, I believe this too, there, is, there are miracles that God is doing. I believe that this church, and Dad and I have been talking about this, we've both been sensing this, there is something God is doing right now. And I believe the enemy is mad about it, but there's something God is doing and is getting ready to do that's going to put us into a new level. I'm I'm telling you right now, just buckle your seatbelt up for 2024 because 2023 may have been great, but I believe next year is going to even be greater. And I feel like even just the last few months of this year, we're going to begin to see an acceleration of what God is doing. I'm telling you, begin to get your words out and declare the promises of God. Begin to declare them over your situation. Don't listen to what people who are like Job's friends say that have said it's never going to happen. You hold fast to the word and what God has said, you declare his promises, you prophesy over your situation and you take that which has been upside down and you make God set it right. You decree and declare until God comes and turns it around and puts those things right. Don't just accept that your kids are gonna be wayward. You prophesy to their lives. You don't just accept that your body's gonna be broken. You prophesy to it. You don't just accept that your job is gonna be hell. You prophesy to it. We declare the word of the Lord regardless of what the situation looks like until things begin to shift because the same word the same word that God declared is now in you and coming out of you to set things right will you stand up to your feet this morning I want you to lift your hands to the Lord this morning I want you to pray with me and say Father God I thank you this morning that there's a voice there is a prophetic voice emerging in this day and in this hour to set things right, to make things right, to make the crooked path straight, to make my situation shift into what God has said it's going to be. I thank you this morning. I receive of that voice. God, do it in me and do it through me. Do it in me and do it through me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, come on, if you believe it, can you give the Lord a shout? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.